profession, work as a television reporter for Jumpcast. Crazy, you see. Yakshamesh, and welcome to Jumpcast, the podcast brought to you by the award-winning team behind Jumpcut Online. Uh, my name is Nick, and we are here, if you haven't guessed already, to discuss Borat, subsequent movie film, um, the sequel to the very popular comedy film by Sasha Baron Cohen, released in the mid-2000s sometime, I'm not sure when. Uh, joining me to discuss the sequel uh, is two very wonderful people. Firstly, of course, it's Sam Comrie. How are you, Sam? Yakshamashnik, I'm very excited to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. We need to keep this going for as long as possible. Uh, and so, yeah, listeners, let us know what what point, what minute timestamp it got too much for you. You had to turn it off because of our terrible, uh, terrible impressions. Uh, but how are you, Sam? Yeah, I'm really good. Uh, let's hope this version of the podcast goes well. Yes, behind you. Yeah, behind the curtain, we've had to restart. So that means we've had to do those, um, <laughs> do those impressions at least uh, twice already. I like the commitment to the bit. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, and joining me, Sam, is it's Cameron Frew. Cam, how are you? Yeah, Shamash. <laughs> no, you did it this time. You, I did. You, you, I did. Uh, I buckled. Bow uh, to yes, peer pressure. How are you? I'm. I'm wonderful. Thank you. Uh, are you excited to talk about Borat's subsequent movie film? I am. Very excited to talk about <laughs> Borat's subsequent movie film. I can't remember its full title, but uh, yes. We will get to that. Uh, so for most of the listeners, uh, you'll know me and Sam by now at this point, or at least I hope you do. Uh, but Cam, I believe this is your first time on um, on Jumpcast. you want to just take a sort of moment to introduce yourself and tell people uh, sort of how you work in the film industry and how where they can find you on Twitter, etc.? Yeah, I, you know, I haven't, I completely didn't realise I'm breaking my Jumpcast virginity today. Mm. Um <laughs> It's a big day for all of us. It is. Um, yeah, so I, I'm a journalist and film writer for Unilad. Um, so I get to write about films for a living, which is an absolute dream. And yeah, I'm on Twitter through film. Uh, as I was telling you guys, I got to see Borat along with the press before the general public. So I caught it before the storm really started on the movie. And you did. Yeah, I do, I do believe that will factor into the opinion I hold in the movie compared to you guys when we start talking about it yeah we'll get into how we all think about it uh obviously very shortly but i think we i think we kind of cover the full spectrum of opinions here from what we've said sort of briefly beforehand but it'll be interesting to see um how it goes and maybe you'll be able to uh spoiler alert win me round but <laughs> before we start this podcast um is brought to you by our lovely patreon subscribers uh and um as we do on every episode, we shout out those who subscribe to us at what the top of the three tiers that you can over uh, on our Patreon page. It can be found on jumpcutonline.co.uk. Uh, so Chris Wilson, Let There Be Light Productions, Zoe Baines, Daryl Griffiths, Sam Luck, Orla Smith, Peter Hodgkins, Andy Meakin, Fabiana Rosas, Hamish Calvert, Martin Richmond. Thank you very much for your continued support and everybody else who supports us on Patreon and just by sharing stuff on Twitter and going on the website, etc, etc. It's much appreciated. Uh, and it's, it's you guys that have helped us, the three of us get together to discuss Borat's subsequent movie film. So, courtesy of IMDb, because I can't remember what the full title is either, uh, Borat's subsequent movie film, Delivery of Prodigious Bribe to American Regime for Make Benefit Once Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. Uh, and the brief synopsis the follow-up film to the 2006 comedy centering on the real-life adventures of fictional Kazakh television journalist named Borat that's that's as discreet as the description is on IMDb it of course stars Sasha Baron Cohen uh, and he is joined by Maria Bakalova 
uh, and they are the only two real people uh, who are in it, apart from <clears throat> some real-life stars, shall we say, which I'm sure we'll get to in a bit, including Tom Hanks, spoiler alert. <laughs> um, I suppose we should start in our relationships with Borat, the original, because that's gonna that was sort of a determining factor in how excited a lot of people were for this or not. Uh, so, Sam, the original Borat, what what's your relationship with it how how many times have you watched it how <laughs> do you love it uh so the original bora um i didn't see till it like came on dvd just because of my age at the time but like i'd heard a lot about it because my brother had seen it when it came out and i think he saw it like nine times like he was like proper into it and then i ended up getting on dvd for like five quid or something from hmv at the time i'd known like knew nothing like about like the format of it i don't think at the time i'd seen like like a mockumentary style film so i think that's like the kind of like first one of those i'd seen Mm. and like i can't remember how young i was but i was pretty young so i really shouldn't have been watching it just because of some of the content that's in it but like i found it hilarious and naturally i was like uh, I got my friends like to come around and we all watched it together, and I think like since then I've seen it like at least over forty times. Ew, I just that many. I, I, I just think it's that funny, and like, and I, I'm sure we'll get into it, but I just think it's such a almost like kind of timeless like film as well because I think a lot of the stuff that they do touch upon is relevant now. Probably even more so than when they made it. In, Definitely in, hi- in hindsight. But yeah, that but, that's my kind of relationship with the film. Big fan then. Uh, Cam, what about yourself? Are you a big fan of the original? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm a massive fan. Similarly to what Sam said, um, I, I mean, I was nine years old when Borat <laughs> came I thought, out. I thought you were going to say you were nine when you saw it. Um, <laughs> I would probably say I was maybe, I would say maybe eleven years old when I finally got to see Borat. Um, obviously against my parents' wishes. Mm. However, even at nine. I was aware of Borat because everyone was talking about Borat. It was all over the news. It was all over the fairly infantile um, style of internet we had back then, <laughs> like comparison to social media we have now. Yeah. Uh, he was an absolute phenomenon, and even his catchphrases, very nice, high five, sexy time, all that stuff, um, like was being said in the playground yeah. by, by it was... kids who hadn't even seen the movie. So I think it was a case of... <laughs> The sheer amount of cultural osmosis that was going on with that movie, I think many parents everywhere probably just succumbed and just let their kids watch it. And to be <laughs> fair, there's some of it which um, isn't too bad for kids because there's a lot of just complete nonsense in it that's funny for pretty much anyone. And then there's also a lot of stuff that went over my head as well. But growing up, I've watched it many, many, many times since and I still find it every bit as funny as I um if not more so as i've grown up yeah i think myself again i don't know when how old i was when i watched it but i think sam yeah i definitely watched it on dvd um i can't i don't know i must have bought it myself i can't imagine it was something my parents bought um <laughs> i must have bought it for myself or but then i couldn't have been because i wasn't 15 who knows anyway i watched it on dvd i had a dvd of it and yeah it's just one of those films that was just so funny um and like you said, Cam, it was kind of the probably the sort of biggest uh, sort of cultural references that were thrown around at, at school, sort of more so than anything else, really. Uh, and for a long time as well, not just like sort of a two, three month period afterwards, like 18 months, two years afterwards, I think people were still sort of saying the, the catchphrases from Borat. Um, 
and I think it was like you said, Sam, it was just like something unlike anything I'd ever seen before. It was just um, kind of like a perfect storm at that time in my life of sort of being a sort of, yeah, sort of 11 or 12 or a very early teenager and then and then having something like that as well. It was just, it was just came at the perfect time in my life um, yeah. for me to absolutely fall in love with it. And like you guys, I've watched it countless times since. Um, I didn't watch it in preparation for the, for the for the subsequent movie film uh i did go back on youtube and watch some of the odd clips i didn't watch the film in its entirety um and i hadn't seen it for for, for a few years now and when i went on youtube and found some old clips i was like this is just genius it's so funny um have you got a before we go on to bore at the subsequent movie film have you got a favorite scene from the first one? Ooh, that's sad i th- i think like the first film packs so much into such a like short duration, it's I think something like an hour and twenty six minutes, and I think it packs so much into that. Um, favorite bit, I might have to defer to you, Cam, if you already got one. Well, I think um, that. it's kind of a toss up between two. The the hotel fight, is <laughs> unbelievable. I can't believe. Um, it. yeah, I can, I, can, I still can't believe that when I watch it. Um, but in terms of like almost pure Borat, the Scene with the comedy teacher um, <laughs> has everything I'm looking for from for a Borat movie in that scene. Uh, whether it's the Nat joke or him telling the story of the person from his village. I will not describe him using the word that Borat uses. Who um, <laughs> they keep locked in the ca- uh, and they keep him locked in the cage. Uh, yes. And you will never get this. You will never get this. All that sort of stuff. Um, that honestly makes me like cry with laughter every single time. And funny enough, I watched Borat twice recently before subsequent movie film. Once with my girlfriend who had never seen it and miraculously loved it, and <laughs> uh, once uh, for an article for work. And I mean, there's the fact that I still laugh as much as I do at it every time is an absolute testament to it. Yeah, that's the thing. When I, I say I didn't watch the whole film in its totality, but I watched the odd scene again on YouTube, and I was still found it as funny as I did ten years ago. Uh, for me personally, I think the um, the etiquette uh, lesson that he, <laughs> he goes to is just phenomenal. Again, sort of the audacity and the boldness of him to actually do the stuff he did um, there at that at that at that house that he went to to go to that etiquette lesson was just yeah. Like I, I'm just cringing about, cringing about it, thinking about it now. Um, bringing down his uh, <laughs> his stuff in a bag, shall we say? <laughs> it's, it's just what? Like, how do you do? I don't know how he has the balls to do that sort of stuff. Uh, Sam, have I you had a? Have, I don't think I necessarily have a favorite moment. I think it's just because this. I really like this little mannerisms and stuff that he does throughout the film. When I think, when I think of the film, I think of those in like a little package. Like you were saying, then with the etiquette scene, there's just like a little bit there where he's like, uh, he does like a hand gesture in the scene. He's like, oh, where do I go, you know, to make a brown? And then he'd like, <laughs> he makes like a circular shape with his hand, like just to make sure that she knows what he's talking about. <laughs> there's just so many little bits like that that I just love. Yeah, uh, I think we could all wax lyrical about the first Borat film for a long time because it is so good. And I think, Cam, you said it'll be one of those comedies that I think will ta- uh, stand the test of time as well because it is sort of timeless and it is, um, yeah, it's just you know, it's so good. Um, which 
uh, brings us on to the sequel, subsequent movie, subsequent movie film, which came out um, on Friday, the 23rd of October on Amazon Prime. And I think from the way we've all spoken about it, I think we could all probably say that our anticipation levels were pretty high going in. Yeah, Stratospheric. Definitely. Yeah, and I think the trailer that they dropped for it as well was really good. Um, yeah, I think everybody was really excited for it. And I think this week particularly, I saw quite a few tweets saying like, um, because the embargo didn't drop until Thursday or Wednesday, one of the two anyway, but earlier in the week, there was a lot of people saying like, the internet is going to break after the cert- uh, release of a certain film on Friday. Um, so there was a lot of sort of hype around f- sort of film Twitter and and all the um, all the outlets that were sort of had advanced screenings for it as well. Um, oh, so I don't know really sort of where to begin. Uh, it's it's a str- it's a very strange film. It's a very different film. I thought to the first one. Um, it's much more narrative if it's got much more much more narrative base if that makes sense yeah um so this one obviously includes um his daughter who i've forgotten her, her, is it two tutor something like that i don't yeah. know tutor. Tutor. tutor yes um she is included in, in in this sequel um and she's do you want to talk a little bit you two about her her inclusion in this and how that affected it for you probably either positively or negatively um uh, I I think she was very good, but as for inclusion in the film, I don't know whether it was necessary. I think that whole kind of like plot bringing in his child, it's like one of those kind of things you would see and associate, you know, like when you think of a sequel, and it, not necessarily like this kind of format of film, but it's like, oh, w- let's make a sequel, this really popular thing. What kind of storyline could we do? It's like, oh, they have a kid. Yeah. And that's how we'll do it. And it, it it's like that kind of, thing they've done with it and I don't know I thought she was very good and there's definitely moments in the film where I do think their like interplay between each other is great especially that um the dance scene that we <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk about yeah but I just don't know whether using her as a character and having it having Borat to be more of like a narrative based comedy as opposed to the first one being a bit looser works for it in its favor that that's kind of how I felt with it, like when after I'd watched it. Yeah, I think the inclusion of her, like we said, it has does make it a much more sort of uh, narrative based film. There's a, a definitive uh, storyline that's interwoven throughout the set pieces, as opposed to the first one where it was almost just sort of like set piece to set piece. There wasn't sort of like an too much of an overriding story, sort of uh, connecting the pieces together. Uh, and I'm, I think Sam, I'm in exactly the same boat as you. Whereas I think uh, Maria Balkova, I think that's her name. I hope I haven't butchered that. Um, played the part really, really well. Um, and again, she has some great moments um, on her own um, of of stuff she does and brings to the film. But yeah, I think I'm with you that her inclusion was sort of detrimental to the overall effect of the film because of her inclusion meant that they had to go more narrative based and that was to the to the films that was detrimental to the film i think for me cam you are probably of a completely different school of thought yeah very interesting opinions i um i i, I do pretty much completely disagree i think <laughs> her i think her inclusion is one great for the film but two also necessary considering um the fact that everyone knows who Borat is, 
mm-hmm. obviously it does play into the film but just generally um going ever so slightly back to us talking about borat borat is probably the biggest comedy of our generation while well it might not be all of our favorites it's probably the most influential yes, on society generally um it's quoted by by everyone as yeah. i said so to bring him back for a sequel um naturally there was going to be certain challenges to face in terms of actually being able to build on top of a legacy that has generally just been torn apart into easy quotes and horrible impressions as <laughs> we've, uh, we've uh, and 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 great impressions shown at the beginning of this podcast um so i think bringing in a daughter for borat and played by an actress as brilliant as maria bakalova made it gave the film like an extra dimension which i didn't really expect and the fact that she in my opinion really does go toe-to-toe with uh, Sasha Baron Cohen in terms of how fearless she is, uh, how natural she is in some awful situations, and um, she does. She just, she. I believe her as as Borat's daughter in the movie. Oh yeah, I, um, yeah. yeah. Her inclusion for me is. I, I, I have no issue with Maria Bakalova's performance at all. I thought she was amazing. Like you said, there was particularly we said that dance scene where. <laughs> Where she has to like that cannot have been easy. I like fair play to her for doing that. That's that takes some um that takes some balls, shall we say? Um, and the stuff at the uh, fax office when she's like stood outside the window and like licking the window and all sorts of stuff like that. Like she does fully immerse herself into the uh, experience and the situations that she finds herself in. Like she said, like we said, I just I don't know. It just. We, you talk, you mentioned there briefly, but Cam, about the problems that they obviously faced in making a sequel to Borat, because obviously Borat is such a worldwide phenomenon. Um, and it's pretty clear, um, given what happens in the film, that this is something they probably sort of wrote and dreamt up this year. Um, mm-hmm. Given um, this is going to be spoilers from now on, given that uh, at the end of the film, it's revealed that Borat is the super spreader that's taken the coronavirus around the world. <laughs> <laughs> which, which i must which i must admit was a really good twist that i did enjoy at the end that was really good um yeah it it it, it would it was obviously something that i wouldn't say is rushed but has been is sort of sort of fairly fresh and newborn as an idea and they had to rush to clearly had to rush together to sort of film it and get it out there within well when was it was March, wasn't it? March time that the world sort of went into lockdown. So that's what, yeah. seven months? So to get from, from from the point of nothing to that point that they got to in, in, in the film, in producing the film that released yesterday, um, as we we're recording this. Uh, yeah, it's a great effort. It's a huge effort. And there must have been loads of challenges to overcome in how can we make a Borat sequel without Borat? And I think for me, when I actually think about it, that is one of the issues i had but it's probably kind of an unavoidable issue where the it it didn't it obviously felt like a borat film to me but then at the same time it didn't because a lot of the a lot of the set pieces and a lot of the the sequences that they do is borat dressing up as somebody else which clearly they had to do as we've said for for reasons that for so people didn't recognize him um but for me it kind of took away the sort of um crucial element of what makes the first film so successful which is borat and the character of borat on screen whereas i think in this instance in the sequel it felt like a bunch of 
caricatures that we haven't been introduced to yet. Um, like uh, I've forgotten what he's called himself. The like we said at the dance, um, at the dance that they went to, I can't remember what he called himself. <laughs> His daughter was called like Jess Sarah Jessica Parker or something. Um, but I can't remember what he called himself. He's called yeah. like Professor something the third. Yeah, he is. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean. So yeah, so it wasn't. It was a Borat film, but it felt weird watching it because it was Borat also doing caricatures. So it was like a really weird thing to watch for me. Sam, I don't know if you if that was one of these elements that you found as well. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. So the selling point for me was like the fact he was having to use all these different disguises because I thought that was kind of like an ingenious way for them to still have Borat like, as a film, but you get to see him in these different situations where he can't just be a silly reporter he kind of does have to actually use a bit of his very small brain to disguise himself <laughs> from other people so i was kind of sold on that but um i was a bit worried when the film was initially announced because it did seem like, like as you pointed out they have really scrambled to get it put together and i don't think it was something that was kind of like premeditated like last year it definitely feels like sasha baron cohen's definitely had a very big political response to everything that's going on at the moment and he's decided to kind of take action and put a viewpoint out there by getting this together in such short time and and like like you say is very commendable that they have put it together because the end results while we are like i'm personally a bit mixed on it i don't necessarily think borat 2 is bad at all i just think like we'll get into it a bit more it just kind of misses it like the mark a bit for me but overall like just to get a product like that finished and to put himself in these situations as well like in the midst of a lockdown staying with um strangers <laughs> for a couple of days while they're supposed to be um staying away from everybody in public like stuff like that like i do have to commend sasha brown coin for putting himself out there and um maria as well who like you say she does go toe-to-toe with him in these in these scenes that they do get put together into yeah uh I think it's pretty obvious that once they decided to do this, that they gave themselves a deadline of a couple of weeks before November 3rd, which is um, election day in the US. Uh, Particularly, I think, when they probably secured... Obviously, I have no idea what order they shot stuff in, but probably when they secured the uh, final sequence with Rudy Giuliani in as well, um, they probably thought, yeah, we've got to get this out before November 3rd. Um, Yeah, that film film back in July, I believe, because it did come out in the news um, that Rudy Giuliani did have some sort of incident uh, back then, but obviously the full extent of it has not been revealed until the movie came out. I remember them them talking, again, another bit that met the news as they were filming it. I remember there being reports about the the march march he went to when he went up on stage and sang that song. I remember... There was reports at the time. I think again that was sort of midsummer when, um, when they were like, "Yeah, Sasha Baron Cohen has been at a Trump rally," <laughs> and, and I just, <laughs> and yeah, I thought he would have just been doing yeah some sort of caricature work there, but surprise, it was a Borat sequel. Um, I think a big problem I have with it is why the first one is so successful is that every single scene. And every single sort of setup that they have feels completely legitimate. Like, um, if I think again off the top of my head, like you said, Cam, that sequence with the 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 uh, joke writer or comedian or whatever he was, um, that felt completely legitimate. And even stuff like when he went on his car driving uh, lesson, 
Uh, that felt legitimate. And I think it has that legitimacy because of the setup and the premise they had in the first film where he was a a journalist from a foreign country coming to learn about American society and American way of life and American culture and stuff. So it would make sense for a foreign journalist to have a camera crew with him. Whereas when I was watching this, I became very aware of the scenarios that they were putting themselves in and very aware of like, well, if I was there, like I would think this was a setup and I was being pranked. Yeah. Like, um, so I, I really, really struggled to sort of dis suspend my disbelief or belief whatever the saying is that a lot of the stuff we were watching was legitimate and sort of legitimate reactions um if i think just for a couple off the top of my head like we've mentioned before the guy in the fax machine um office like why would there be a camera crew there with a guy (laughs) who was faxing somebody and then the replies are saying like he's going to be executed if he doesn't deliver somebody to michael pence like (laughs) if i was that guy i'd be like i'm being punked here and like it's pretty obvious that i'm being punked um yeah that's the sort of overriding thing i had with it was when i watched the first one i was like i can even though that might not have been the case and i did think i read an article where a lot of people said sort of post-release of the first one that they were completely oblivious to what was going on uh pamela anderson was obviously in on it Um, yeah and i think there was maybe one of the other setups where they said yeah i knew what was happening beforehand uh and i think there was one of them said halfway through that he knew he was being punks but they've given me money at this point so i'm just gonna go along with it i Uh, think that was the the comedy teacher was i think he kind of sussed on that they were (laughs) doing something but if he's been paid for his time she's just gonna go along with it it. um (laughs) but yeah so watching the first one i kind of i was completely even if it wasn't the case i was completely sold on the idea that these were genuine reactions that people were having to this this wild um journalists going into their into their world but i never not for one single scene in this did i ever think that that was the case in the sequel i don't know what you two thought or felt with regard to that yeah i'll let you take it cam i went first last time uh yeah i i, I don't know i suppose my my suspension of disbelief I, I didn't struggle with that at all to be honest mm. um Maybe I just take it at face value. Like, like uh, that that could potentially be uh, not necessarily my my issue. Um, like, but I'm just thinking, I, like, I, two... I really did believe it. I, I believed every interaction like they had. Two elderly Jewish women that he yeah. went into, and he was dressed like he was. <laughs> like they they must have thought, and again because there was a camera crew there, they must have must have thought like, yeah, I'm there. This is for some kind of comedy sketch or comedy show or something. But um, to be fair, with, with regards to that scene, because he is dressed so overtly anti-Semitic, mm-hmm. um, another conclusion they could possibly draw is that he is a far-right yeah, and comedian and it's coming being, in. Being filmed for a far-right channel or yeah, some description. Um, but I, I love that scene because the only thing that comes out of that scene is how kind those women are. Um, oh, they're absolutely and I think aliens, that's like the pre- the pre- the prevailing the prevailing effect of that movie fact fact of that scene. Thankfully, is that that those two women are lovely and they're so nice to him despite the horrible overtones of what he's saying. Yeah, like uh, of what Borat is saying. What um, he, what he gets out yeah. of that scene is that the Holocaust was in fact real 
and that is so- <laughs> that, and that's something to go away cheery about but yeah yeah those two women are just absolute saints uh well one of them more so than the- i think the other one was a bit sort of suspicious the one who didn't do much of the talking i think she was a bit um not quite as as on board but yeah but he... of course and that's and that scene they were aware of it like he revealed himself to mm. be sasha baron cohen at the end did he and of course um mm. the movie is dedicated to one of the women at the end of the film because she sadly passed away oh is that right uh yeah and it, yeah there was a news article that came out probably a couple of weeks ago now saying he'd revealed himself to be uh, a comic and an, an actor in one of the film's more sensitive anti-semitic scenes and yeah. it, it, it is that scene that because as, as you can imagine um yeah it's horrible it's a very anti- <laughs> a very anti-semitic film uh, that's one of the most shocking movies in the scene for me that's when oh. i actually like audibly fell back in my seat like <gasps> yeah um well as he says I'm, I wait, I'm going to go to synagogue to wait on next mass shooting it's like oh, <laughs> oh my, my god, god. I, know. <laughs> I know um those little things like you just said that like that little line of dialogue that you just mentioned there like i think i need to watch it again to pick up on those sort of little things because that is something that they again they do so well in the seek and the original uh, not necessarily the scenes and the set pieces themselves, but just the little bits of dialogue in between that are so sort of like quietly dark and funny that if you don't sort of hear them first time, they are then you sort of sort of go over your head, but are really really funny. And but what I would what, what would scenario. what I would say is that I think the success of Who Is America has played a massive part in how Borat Two is structured, and that. One, there's obviously the dilemma of how um, you portray Borat in a world where everyone knows who he is, which is why he has to dress up in caricatures and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But Who is America was such a titanic success, and that show is entirely based around Sasha Baron Cohen and caricature taking on political figures. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that probably played a role I, as well. I, I don't think I've seen too much too much of that. I think I've seen the odd, odd bit. I don't think I've seen um, all of that in its totality at all. So it is unbelievable it's be- that is better in borat too who's yeah. america is like is it available, Sasha Baron Cohen's is it available to watch sort work. of like on youtube and stuff is it i believe it, it was on i believe it was shown on channel four in the uk so it should be on all, all four i might have to dive into that yeah um sam what did you think about uh, uh about suspending disbelief um when watching this did you get the same as me where you thought that i can't believe that anybody actually thought this was legitimate or were you sort of yeah, I, I had a similar kind of reaction to that. I mean, I kind of felt early on when he went to um, the phone store <laughs> that it, it was a bit mm-hmm. more kind of scripted. And then the fact that that character Came appears yeah, that's <laughs> at the end yeah. kind of definitely confirmed that for me. But I still think it does have those moments, like the first one where you are completely shocked just by how people react or the things that they say. Um like specifically when he is um in that house with the the two guys and he's he's quarantining himself <laughs> and he, he convinces them that that yeah. you can hit the virus with a pan and spray it <laughs> and then and then the fact that that guy writes that song and he performs it later and oh that just... whole that whole sequence at the Trump rally is just yeah, and then there's another bit as well. Now I'm thinking back on the film, uh, when he actually goes to take uh, Tuta for the the plastic surgery. I, I was going to mention that this this is the one scene where I was like, "What the fuck did and he, he just?" And, say? He, and he's talking to that um to that surgeon, 
and uh, what does he say? He says to him now, like, would, would you, you bang think? my daughter? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And like, he if your dad thinks, wasn't here. Oh, oh my god! Like that was. I think a lot of the film I was completely sort of passive on. I didn't either like or dislike it. A lot of the sequences I didn't find them overtly funny or overtly unfunny, and I was just kind of like, yeah, it is what it is. But that sequence with the plastic surgeon was mind blowing. That that is something that he said um, <laughs> to Bora and his daughter. <laughs> I I can't believe he said that. Yeah, it was it was like. Yeah, what was it? It was, it was sort of like, would you have sex with my daughter? Would you? Yeah, whatever. And he was like, well, I would if your daddy wasn't here. Like, if you consented. Oh, oh my god. Oh, I yeah, I couldn't believe it. I curled up on my sofa. It was horrific. Um, but um, yeah, you, you two make a good point as well with um the the other scenes, like especially when he, he talks to the Jewish lady. Like, I think in this film, it does kind of like a bit of like a heart and a wholesome side to it as well. Absolutely. I, I think is, yeah. rather than kind of playing on people's kind of negatory reactions or shocked reactions to things they do take a bit of time in this one to kind of focus on more kind of positive outcomes like uh, with the babysitting lady as well who kind of gives advice to his daughter she's great then, as well yeah she's yeah I, I did like that this one did focus on that as well and kind of tried to put the message out like that not everyone is a complete arsehole in this film yeah. like there is actually good people out there so I did I enjoyed that part of it there were yeah, there were quite a few moments of, of sort of really sort of good the good of human nature shining through. We mentioned the the two elderly Jewish ladies, uh, in the synagogue. Uh, the babysitter woman is definitely one of them, and I think the sort of the whole narrative around um, Bora and um, and uh, Tuta is, uh, and the way that their relationship develops and their sort of thought processes and mindset about one another changes and develops, particularly Borat's towards his daughter. Um, I think there's a lot of good to be found this in this film, despite the some of the more hideous and sort of yeah, not so good stuff that happens. Okay. Still, just mind blown by that, that surgeon. That, that I thought about it again. I think that surgeon was the the most shocking. I think scene I found. What? Yeah. What was the most shocking for you? I think for me it was the surgeon. Um. um because I think I it mean just, it came out of the blue as well. Like yeah. Um, it was just they were having a normal conversation. Normal in inverted commas. They were having a con- <laughs> they were having a conversation. Um, yeah, and then it just they dropped that question out of the blue, and then his response was just mad. Like I cannot believe that that's something that another human being said to somebody in that situation. Like, oh, baffled by it. I what do think it? there's a couple of scenes like there's like a top three. I think the surgeon scene, the sing along in the, at the rally. And the, the kind of climax, if you will, um, with Giuliani, there, I think they're definitely shocking. Because I don't necessarily think the part in the Giuliani scene after the interview is as played up as it is like over the last few days. I, I am agreement. I am in agreement. With I that. think I the think... stuff he says in the interview is far worse. Yes, I agree. I think the words, yeah, the actual interview is worse than the stuff that happens post-interview. I agree. Cam, what, where do you fall on that? Uh, I've went through multiple stages since watching the movie and the breakout of that scene, which really partly broke my heart because when I got to see the movie and 
one of the biggest instructions of the embargo, as I'm sure you can imagine, was don't ruin the big moments. Yeah. And the fact that that moment got leaked is really frustrating because I would have loved to have seen the world actually explode as it released mm. rather than getting caught up in the hype of it before the movie was released. Um, in terms of in terms of that scene, I, I would agree that I think that the content of the interview, the tone of the interview... Mm. The stuff you managed to get Giuliani to say, yeah. like the fact they'll eat a bat and um like you said, Oh yeah, yeah, we eat bats together. Um yeah. and just his general His demeanour was just horrible. Demeanour with yeah. with uh Twitter and in, in that scene that is really unnerving. And the when that scene begins, there is a massive sense of dread. Like I you know that scene is leading to something that because that is like almost the big that is the climax of the movie. Uh, in terms of the the skits with real life people, um, I, I can't. Believe and when it does get to the hotel room, um, yeah, I don't know how they got access to him. I I just don't know how that happened. Someone like Rudy Giuliani, mm. um, who's obviously like a a pretty prominent well, conservative Trump, he's figure. Trump's, Trump's personal attorney, isn't he? Like, how did they get and access a dickhead? To oh yeah, <laughs> that's a different podcast altogether. Yeah. <laughs> um, Listen, with with the, the scene in the bedroom, I I do have a similar opinion to, to Sasha Baron Cohen on it. I, I It's one of those scenes I would just urge people to watch and make up your own mind on it, but watch it in the context of the actual full movie yeah. and the full interview. Don't just watch the clip on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that scene does have nefarious undertones with him reaching into his trousers yes. uh, i mean how, however however i would ag- i would agree yes clearly tucking in his shirt <laughs> however again however i think that there's enough evidence there and enough suggestions in his demeanor yeah i mean to be it- I mean, slightly dubious of who hasn't what was going on in that. Who hasn't? Room. Who hasn't laid down on the bed and stuck both their hands down the trousers to take the shirt? <laughs> he, I mean, he outright asks her for her address and name and stuff as that is unfolding, and I'm thinking, after now I've seen it, if they hadn't intervened as early as that, just how far would that scene have gone? Yeah. Well, I've read a really interesting article from Robbie Collin in the Telegraph about this scene and the response to this scene because he is of the opinion that it's nowhere near what people are are egging it up to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he he said that the line which you just mentioned, Sam, of "Oh, you can have my phone number and my address," and um, her saying, "Shall we go through here to have a few drinks?" Robbie Collin suggested that this scene is slightly overdubbed and maybe that's a sign that it's been conjured for the movie rather than the reality of what it is. But I don't think that's necessarily appropriate because why would we be so easy to say something like this didn't happen? Mm. Um, Like I'm, I'm willing to accept what happened there as it's structured because I believe Sasha Baron Cohen is not disingenuous that way. I don't believe he would try and trick his audience into thinking something happened that didn't that's never been the ethos of borak it's always been to showcase what people are actually like and there's also an element of the fact that i mean we are three guys discussing this yeah of course the impact and the squirminess of that scene is something that i think probably women would be able to like guide better and testify to because as much as it can be easy for one person to say, oh, he's clearly just tucking his shirt in 
Um, I have no doubt that there may be some women who maybe feel differently and some men who feel differently. I just think it's a scene that everyone needs to watch. Yeah, and I think it's definitely important, like you said, to watch it in the context of the sort of 10 minutes that precede it as well. Um, yeah, it's. It, I was disappointed that it did get spoiled on Twitter like the 24 hours before the film released. Um, I think the problem it had was that it that scene in particular, more so than anything else that happens in the film, sort of uh, bridges between the the film and actual news so it is an actual news story that rudy giuliani was sort of in inverted commas compromised with uh, a girl in a hotel room like that sort of goes above and beyond sort of like the film like that becomes then a news piece because it wasn't just film sites and film uh, blogs that were uh tweeting spoilers out like sort of like all the proper news outlets like sky news bbc news or worldwide are all sort of tweeting about it so i think that's probably why it happened um i don't think there were too many i did read some of the reviews i don't think there were too many or hardly any that i saw that they were actually out there spoiling that i think it was more that um it became a news item as soon as the film released and therefore that's why it got so much sort of coverage on 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 the internet and rightly so I would like to add that I did not spoil it in my advanced review. No, um, well so then, I'm not well one then. of those responsible. <laughs> no, I did read your Unilad review. I I don't remember reading it in there, so well done. Um, yeah, it's just uh, it's one of those I just can't fathom how they got access to Rudy Giuliani at all. Um, yeah, and I, I know it's just one of those things. And I'm sure once they filmed it, and once they got it, they were like bloody hell. Like we've got to release this before November third, and I think that's part of why. Uh, they put the deadline on themselves. I think a lot of the stuff as well that happens in it, uh, probably they gave themselves a similar deadline because of what the other sort of footage they managed to capture. Um, I yeah, said, I, I think so as well. I think the we've mentioned the uh, the uh, plastic surgeon scene, and that was one of the scenes that shocked me. We've mentioned the synagogue yeah. scene with the two women. That was one of the scenes that shocked me. The Giuliani scene, um, the stuff in the actual bedroom didn't shock me because I'd already seen it. Uh, and read about it and etc on twitter uh the, the, the content of the interview beforehand didn't shock me uh because of my uh pre-held opinion of rudy giuliani uh, so what he actually said didn't shock me too much because um again i don't it's everyone's entitled to their opinion but i don't think very highly of rudy giuliani before this and um so yeah the content didn't shock me too much um and a lot of the stuff particularly i think if we look at the trump rally uh, and the two, uh, the two, uh, what do you call them? Um, the two people he stayed with in lockdown. The uh, what are they? Uh, when you believe, I can't even think what the word is. Uh, yeah, those conspiracy theorists. conspiracy theorists. Yeah, there we go. I couldn't think for the life of me what the word was. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of the stuff that they said did shock me, but then at the same time, I was like, I've kind of seen this already. Like on twitter and that's and just like on the and that's absolutely mad when you consider what they were saying um there was stuff yeah. like that hillary clinton and bill clinton <laughs> and the clinton family drink the blood of children and that was something yeah. they were just completely agreeing to and nodding along to with the straightest of faces um yeah some of the stuff i can't I, what was the most shocking thing that of the conspiracy theorists said that you can immediately think of um because that was wild. 
I don't well, they know. said they didn't think Democrats should have human rights. Yeah, uh, they said they, they they are lesser than yes. uh, yeah. than Republicans, and the fact that Democrats are more dangerous than COVID nineteen. Jesus. Um, but that's, yeah, yeah, like the stuff they were saying was shocking. Like in, uh, in the sort of parameters of the film and of, of the sequence and of that set piece, but it's just maddening to me that the stuff they were saying. I was like, I've kind of seen people saying this stuff before like at trump rally that there's the there's a couple of sort of like uh, chat show hosts or stuff in america that go around and do a load of interviews at trump rallies and the kind of stuff they were spewing in those scenes and we saw in action in the rally later on was like i kind of i was kind of numb to it which was probably the most shocking which was probably the most shocking experience i had with the film because i was like the stuff they're saying is mad like full-on blown full-blown sort of conspiracy theory no fa- factual substance to it whatsoever i yeah i was completely sort of like yeah i would expect that from these people and that's just such a horrible sort of place to be in i don't know what you two thought well i think that kind of works in favor of the film really if it's shining that kind of spotlight on those kind of opinions and and that type of kind of archetype that people might take on like the fact that you kind of accept that in in today's climate as not necessarily acceptable, but almost quote unquote normal yeah. in a way that you would expect that. I think that works in the film's favor a lot because it's it's making you think, well, shit, this is stuff that we're taking as normal kind of talk from people these days. And it was just like, and it's a completely different thing for those two to do it in the comforts of their own home. Oh, admittedly, with a stranger with them and a camera crew with them. But I think the Trump rally that they attended, even more so, just absolutely boggled my mind because I was like, there's people just sat here, like with their family, with their kids, with like they've got their deck chairs out and a can of beer and their sandwich, their packed lunch. And they just sat in a park, like chanting and cheering about kill them like the Saudis do. And like that was a thing, <laughs> and that was a thing they got them to, to sit there and, and no, chat. Not only that, but the fact they're singing that in, and that is in kind of the heat of the pandemic as well, because that was in June. So There's absolutely like no social distancing, no masks, no nothing. Nobody gives a shit about any of it. Oh, I could. I say I, I, I was kind of numb to it, but then when I actually think about it now, like. To get a crowd of a couple of hundred, two, three, four hundred people to to do what he did is just that's the thing. Well, yeah, it's 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 safety in numbers, and so if it's when we see one person singing along, they sing along. But like, yeah, I don't know. What did you two think about the Trump rally scene? It was just baffling. Well, yeah. I think it's one of the most interesting observations from the movie that you've said that you're numb to it, and I I would agree with Sam that it's. Um, it's to the benefit of the movie. The, th- the thing with being numb to s- stuff like the Trump rally and the conspiracy theorists, yeah, we're, we're all very aware of it because, I mean, all three of us are, are quite online people, uh, I would I would suggest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we spend a lot of time online. Everyone nowadays spends most of their lives digesting stuff, even if they aren't really conscious to it. Um, and a common criticism that I've seen levelled at the film is that what's the point if all this stuff is so prevalent and discussed in current culture. Yeah. Um, and when you have like someone like Donald Trump in the White House who says, understatement of the year, problematic things, yeah. um, 
holds problematic opinions. He holds a very troubled administration who are arseholes. And <laughs> um, basically, my opinion of that is whilst all this stuff is written on the internet every single day and it's like a storm of stuff that we're constantly aware of and have to listen to Borat and the function of Borat and the use of the movie makes it a definitive historical document pretty much of this time and now Mm -hmm. and what it was actually like in America because while Borat in 2006 almost unveiled the toxic underbelly of America, which, um, I, I mean, obviously at the age of what, 11 when I watched it, I was not aware of the world in any sort of sense to that extent. Yeah. But I believe that is why it was such a huge success because the gotchas he got throughout the movie were continuous because everyone was shocked at people holding those opinions. Yeah. Whereas Borat 2 exists in a completely different um, cultural moment because all of the stuff that was shocking in Borat has become normalised. Yeah. Um, and what so yes whilst i found it all still found it all quite shocking i did feel some of it to be a little bit numb but i don't think that's a problem with the movie that has been criticized no it's not a criticism i would place at the movie's at the movie's feet at all and like you said it's literally just sasha baron cohen getting a a mirror and holding it up to america at the minute and the world because it's not the, the sort of conspiracy theorists and far-right theorists and etc is not a thing that's confined in america it's worldwide um but yeah like you said the sort of just the prevalence and these sort of a good word you used was the wave of stuff that we're subjected to now as being living online it's just mm-hmm. oh, oh yeah <laughs> it's it's time it's a bit bleak it's, it's a bleak uh way to look at borat because obviously its main function actually is to make us laugh yeah that's why borat exists yeah. and that's that's why the movie is told in the function of a comedy not necessarily an overt documentary <laughs> but um it is a very sinister film realistically um like even scenes as simple as the woman writing the anti-semitic message on the cake yeah, and she um, was just didn't even just, question it, and she at just all. does it. Yeah, yeah, didn't question. Does it, it with once. a smile on her face, and she's just like, "Yeah, no problem." <laughs> Anything um, else? <laughs> yeah, which is absolutely <laughs> mental. But I, be- I, I believe that's what would probably happen, especially in America. I would just be like, "Okay, they, they just don't care." And um, a similar, uh, yeah. uh, somebody else they include had a similar mindset was the, uh, the abortion, or it wasn't an abortion doctor, the doctor that they went to go and see, um, and they following on from the the the, the uh, bakery scene they had the whole thing about that like, she had a baby inside of her and that she needs to get it out and the fact that they relayed to the man that they were speaking to that he it was her father's child inside of her and he they wanted to get it out for that purpose and the way that he reacted similar to the woman in the bakery in the cake shop where he was just like well that's not a problem right now what's prob- what we need to talk about right now is that it's a life given by god and stuff like that and i don't care oh god this is a really dangerous podcast I don't- <laughs> uh, but like because there's all sorts of political uh, undertones and overtones really uh, when it comes to borat but to just come sweep that issue under the carpet and be like, well, that doesn't matter because it's a life given given by God, so it doesn't matter who the father is. That was just another example when I was just like, Jesus, like, I can't believe people still hold these views. Um, 
yeah, I think I've seen a lot of people online describing Borat as like the funniest film of the year and also like uh, the horror film of the year. Because when you when, <laughs> when we've spoken about like the purpose of the film being to hold the hold a mirror up to America, and you see some of the stuff that people come out with in this film, it's just it's worrying. It's really. Worrying, I was really I was worrying. just thinking like I was going to say as well like. Uh, again, not trying to bring too much personal bias into the episode, um, but um, the bit where they do go to see Mike Pence speak, <laughs> and it, that is just at the start of the kind of coronavirus situation at the beginning of the year, and he says something like, oh, yeah, we've got it under control. 15 cases. There's only yeah. 15 cases. Donald was saying the other day that we've got the best solutions, blah, 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 blah. And like I was watching it, and my girlfriend said to me, "Well, that didn't age well, did it?" And yeah. I was just like, "Shit." Yeah, if that was. In fact, he's clearly lying through his fucking teeth. Like yeah. the Bob Woodward <laughs> accounts that came oh. out, um, recently, which revealed that Donald Trump found out that it was airborne and could be fatal really early yeah. on. And Mike Pence says at that, um, that rally, that that conservative event that Donald Trump acted even before his advisors told him to do so. Yeah. He, if it wasn't for him, a billion more people man. would have died. Yeah. Good grief. It's just, oh, I could talk for hours about the, the, the psychology, the psychology surrounding politics of all, of all sides, but it's just fascinating to see it sort of laid bare here and just the sort of cultism around it and the brainwashed, sort of nature of it again depending on whichever way you're leaning i'm sure the other side would claim that you were brainwashed um it's just to see it laid bare the way it is and that it's so natural to a lot of the people that we meet along the way in borat too for them to be like oh yeah do you want anything else along apart from your your hate message on your on your cake uh yeah (laughs) it's just like do you want to take a cupcake with you for the road as well apart from your your anti-semitic slurs on the cake like i don't know it's just it is a. It was a really, really eye-opening experience. Um, but coming back to what you said about how it's the funniest. Some people are saying it's the funniest film of the year. Did you guys find it funny? That's like the crux of it. Did you find it an effective comedy? I don't think there was a single instance where I laughed out loud. There was a couple of instances where I like chuckled, and was like, "Oh, that's quite funny." And the, like. I can't remember what it was, but I think it was like something as simple as Borat opening a door for his daughter, and then, and then was like, actually no, I'm going first. I can't. It was something as stupid as that that I've just little things that I chuckled at, but I don't think I found it out, out overtly funny at all. No, Sam, I don't know about you. Um, I was I've been thinking about this like since I've watched it yesterday, and as I've I'm like now with the podcast, I I'm just about to say that like, I think over the course of this podcast, I've come to appreciate the film. Not necessarily as a comedy in the in the same vein as the first one, but more as kind of as we say as like more of a statement, if you will, on like, like the current climate of the world. But as a comedy, I don't necessarily think it's as strong as the first one. I think the first one for me works a bit more because the narrative, as we mentioned, is a bit looser. So the the situation is in feel kind of more organically like um more organic with the uh, how Borat is like maneuvering through them mm. it feels it feels more natural and uh, and and at the time as well when Borat came out we didn't know and Cam said this earlier like we didn't know all these phrases would become such massive 
pop culture kind of things that we would still quote now. So I think to compare it that way to Borat 2 is maybe unfair to, to the sequel. But um, yeah, I don't think it works as strong as a comedy, but as a statement of what we're going through at the moment, I think it definitely works on that. I think I'm ex- now you've mentioned that some the way you described it. I think I would find put myself exactly in the same boat. If I said, "Did I enjoy this as a comedy film?" I would say absolutely not because ninety nine percent of it I didn't find funny. But then if I think about it as a piece of sort of like social commentary, uh, which obviously the first one does as well as the comedy, um, it's very effective. So I think my sort of first initial sort of guttural reaction to it was like that wasn't very good because it wasn't very funny um whereas i think about it now and i've 24 hours down the line and we've had a talk about it now and i've talked uh, spoke to some other people about um about it online i think i'm much more appreciative of it than i was sort of like in this sort of hour after watching it and sort of immediately digesting it did you find it funny cam uh, i did but i would I would agree with what you said that I don't. I think so. I think the fun, first film is definitely funnier and generally better because it does have the best of both worlds. It has a social commentary and it has um, the Boratisms, which were novel at the time. Mm. Uh, I do think that's probably like that was one of the biggest difficulties because you couldn't just replicate all that stuff for the sequel because it is ultimately tired. Um, if Borat came back, if the subsequent movie film. Um, just try to trot out all the same Borat stuff that we'd seen in the first one, it would be a, a disaster of a mm, film because it, would, it wouldn't feel it wouldn't feel in any way unique or even justified to come back and do it. So uh, the social commentary stuff is much, much stronger in the film, but I did find it funny. Like, I, I laughed out loud throughout, like, really, really cackling. Um like the the debutante ball really made me laugh. <laughs> um, the the scene in the phone shop where it goes into the bathroom on Pornhub and the phone and it's still streaming <laughs> to the TV, um, really made me laugh. And just lots of there are still those like little moments, like even the first scenes in in this Kazakhstan village where um his three sons have grown up and one of them's named Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, <laughs> or just. It's like, like just massively, <laughs> yeah. like that sort of laugh, yeah. and I do think that's probably the more prevailing laugh of it. Whereas the first one, really, like tears screamed yeah, in my face still when I watched Borat. Yeah. Um, whereas I do think Borat Two made me laugh, but shocked laughs, like a lot more guilty laughs compared to the first. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a really that's a really fair assessment. I think that's pretty much where I stand as well. I think that a lot of people. I think a lot of people reactions that i've seen as well they've said very similar that it's completely inferior to the first in terms of a comedy film but i don't also think that that's the point like it's it's a, it's an evolution of the borat cycle like we've said it's uh if they'd tried to trot out the same thing and in the same yeah if they tried to do the same thing it would have been not as effective because borat was so good because it was so fresh and new and exciting and like what is this like i've never seen anything like this before which i said half an hour ago 40 minutes ago when we were speaking about the first one like it was something that was so brand new and exciting when it came out uh well like borat borat came as an evolution like the first borat came as an evolution of sasha baron cohen's popularity and borat's popularity on his on on Sasha Baron Cohen's show because he did start off life as like a bit character, um, and then who eventually got his own movie, 
whereas this, like we've said, is a statement. So it's not something that I think you would get if we weren't coming up to election day. Yeah, okay. Whereas I... Borat came about as like a a genuine pitch for this movie mm. uh, that was going to be popular regardless of the current climate. Um, but this is, as we've discussed, was pitched clearly to come out two weeks before election yeah, day. Yeah, I think that's the overriding thing, is that this is a film that's born out of um, Sha- uh, Sasha Baron Cohen's sort of necessity or his want to do this at this particular time where we find ourselves in October of 2020, rather than, like you said, going to a studio and pitching a comedy film. Um, this is, yeah, this is definitely a Sasha Baron Cohen's political state what well, politically sort of uh tuned statement about 2020 where we find ourselves in 2020 um is there anything else the two of you want to talk about borat because we've been going for the best part of an hour at this point um <laughs> but that's, um, abs- that's absolutely actually, fine. Just, if there's anything we haven't discussed that you wanted to only a little thing um you just saying there cam like how they brought um borat's son back and kind of paid off that joke from the first one uh, it did get a big laugh out of me actually when they revealed that his producer Azamat Bagatov is now a chair. <laughs> that, 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 I, did, I did laugh at that. That is true. That, I've forgotten about that bit. Yeah, complete with complete with genitals. Yeah, that was that was wild. That was. Um, yeah, Cam. Is there anything you wanted to mention that we haven't mentioned, either positive or negative, either way? Um. Not necessarily. All, all I would say is I would just urge people who are going to watch it. Who, I mean, if you've listened to this podcast, you've had many of the best bits spoiled. <laughs> but I would advise other people, and if you've already watched it and you're trying to convince someone else to watch it, try and get them to temper their expectations because comedy is one of the most fickle genres um, to be caught up by hype for. Mm. And similarly to horror, it's like when you see... Um, review slogans for movies like when hereditary came out saying it's that the new exorcist and stuff like that and then you automatically go in with unrealistic expectations to ever achieve and i appreciate i am one of the people who wrote a review which called it a triumph Mm -hmm. and said it was going to shatter the earth and stuff like that and i do honestly believe that um and i mean it kind of has because it it's became one of the most talked about movies if not the most talked about movie this week and it's still going to remain in the cultural conversation (laughs) for a while um but I, I, I think it's a shame that the hype for it, especially compared to the situation in 2006, where I'm sure there was still a lot of hype, but there wasn't the same vessel of social media for that mm. to be shared and everyone to become so quickly aware of it. Um, yeah, I think... That it hasn't lived up to the expectations that were set by the press. Yeah. Us bastards. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think like you said horror and comedy as the two genres more than any that are so subjective what one person will find hilarious the other person will be able to watch with i don't know razor blades in their mouth like and the same with horror and comedy like yeah and so i think people need to understand that yeah what some person might find hilarious some people won't and we spoke today that we found different scenes better and more effective than others and that's absolutely fine um but yeah um star ratings for borat subsequent movie films sam out of five um yesterday when i watched it i gave it a three but after this podcast i think i'm gonna bump it up to three and a half i am gonna i am gonna rewatch it again but i do think this podcast has given me like quite a bit to think about with it in in a positive way so i do i'll put it as a three and a half out of five cam what about yourself Four stars out of five. 
That's pretty good. Um, Sam, I'm similar to you. I think I gave it... I was pretty tough on it yesterday. I gave it a 2 out of 5. 2 stars. Uh, but again, after talking about it today... I think I, I fell into the trap yesterday that we've spoken about of going and expecting to absolutely like wet myself because that was my experience of the first one. And I didn't. Uh, but when you actually look at the film sort of from a different perspective and through different tinted glasses um you can appreciate it much more for what it is and what it's trying to do and sort of uh its relevance to our our social situation now so i'm going to bump it up to a three as well so um which is hey so so cam cam has been successful in convincing us both both of us um (laughs) but yeah i think i yeah you are welcome i think my problem with it was that i found the first one so hilarious and yeah, I didn't find this one hilarious, but we spoke about and we talked about that it's a very different film to the first one, and for good reason. Um, well, finally, the last thing we're going to do is just go to Twitter, and some of you wrote in uh, some of your reactions to Borat 2. Uh, to, uh, if you want to do so and find us and follow us on Twitter, you can do that. So, jumpcast underscore. Uh, Tom, our very own Tom Sheffield, um, said, very hit and miss for me. I've had a few good laughs, but overall was a little bit disappointed. Sam, you tweeted out to say uh, with a gif of Borat washing his hands and facing the toilet. <laughs> uh, Matt Tux of Tucky Talkies on Twitter said he enjoyed it. The scenes understandably feel more set up than the original, but it's still effective, as well as being very funny. And to its credit, it's still got actually got a lot of heart, particularly the particularly the father daughter dynamic, and the positive messages about gender equality. Uh, and Josh Barton as well said, makes for both the best comedy and horror of the year with some of the comments opinions put on the show throughout. Doesn't quite match the first, but still very happy this surprise sequel entered our lives. It was a surprise sequel. It did come out of nowhere. I think it was announced like a month before it was released and that was took us all by surprise. Oh, one last one I didn't read was Sarah's and oh, Cammy might want to close your eyes is for this one. Uh, honestly, I thought it was rubbish. I think I only laughed a couple of times and generally found it uncomfortable, but not in the good way. Couldn't wait for it to end. Well, Sarah, need to have a chat with Cam, and uh, it'll convince you and talk you around. <laughs> uh, but that has that has been Borat subsequent movie film. Um, delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit once glorious nation of Kazakhstan. Um. And all that leaves me to do is to say thank you to you both. So thank you, Sam. Thank you. And thank you, Cam. Thank you. And uh, yeah, Jen Kui for listening. Uh, That's us. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.